Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. Well, you should, uh, should have received a handout in your bulletin. Take your Bible. Let's look at Revelation chapter 21 and 22. I've entitled the message, The Splendor of Heaven. The Splendor of Heaven. This is part of our series, as uh, most all of you know, that comes from um, an investigation and survey of you, as insofar as things that you would like to hear taught on from the Scriptures and uh, this is number three as we're counting down the splendor of heaven. You know, it's always exciting, isn't it? Always exciting and fun to travel, to see new places, and to see new cultures and customs. I mean, most people enjoy that. Some don't. Some are home bodies. My mother was a real home body. I remember in 1971, my father said, we're going to Europe, my mother. And my mother said, I'm not going. <laughs> my father said, yes, you are. And it was kind of amazing that year uh, as the day, day got closer. My father bought the tickets, planned. He went three weeks to Europe. He was taking time off his business. It was a slow time, and he had not never been there. And uh, so he wanted to take my mother, who had seven children, and the youngest was just, I think, at that point, maybe two or three years old. And she said, I can't leave my babies. And he said, you are. I'll pack for you if you have. So my older brother and I were taking, actually, we're betting. Is dad going to get her into the car? Or is she going to get into the plane? And my, my mother is the picture of a homebody, right, Faith? Some of you have never met her. Most of you have never met her. I can't get her out of Buffalo, sort of. She's stuck up there. It's a terrible place to be stuck for about six months, but... Uh, Anyway, most people enjoy traveling. They enjoy seeing new sights. But I'm reminded that uh, while you do so, wherever you might be, all the while you're there, you're not home. You are not home. And we have done a number, done six or seven study trips to Egypt and Israel and days gone by. Maybe we'll do another one in a couple of years. We'll go to see the cities of Paul and crawl through the pyramids and see Israel. I like to do that at least one more time. And, uh, but it never fails. Wherever you are, it, I've seen this enough. So if the trip is this long or that long, it doesn't matter. The last couple of days, everybody gets a little melancholy thinking about home, thinking about their own bed. Amen? Simple pleasure. Sleep in my own bed, right? <laughs> Simple things like that. They're really, really priceless. But we start thinking about home and the wonder of it. I've been away at uh, various places. In 1971, I had the privilege of being a student down in Brazil. I won a, an exchange student scholarship. And a part of that, I was able to take an inland trip uh, with, the, with the nuns and the priests who went inland to, on the riverboat, and we slept on hammocks, actually, for a week. We went into these little towns, and I'll never forget being in a place called Nova Linda. You never heard of it. I never heard of it. In that little Indian town in the interior of the Amazon, 
and, and, and trying to make some conversation with a couple of the uh, men there, and they had never heard of my home in the United States. Imagine that. I couldn't, that was the first time I ever met someone that never heard of the United States. And in essence, I was asked, tell me about your home country. Tell me about it. Home, longing for home, talking about home, sharing it. Well, that's what we're going to talk about here today. Oh, going home is still an expression, isn't it, that fills most of us with joy, comfort, anticipation, even I'll be home for Christmas, right? We all sing about that. If only in my dreams. Isn't that part of the lyrics? I wonder if that, were they of our troops? Was that Bing Crosby that sang that? Was it, Joe? Yeah, I thought it was. Wow. Well, how much more so even for the Christian? This idea of going home, longing for home, thinking about home. How much more so for you and I if you know Christ the Lord as your Savior? We're told in the Bible that this world is not our home. Most of us don't really get our arms around it. Most of us don't live like that's true. But the truth of it is, is and I often think of it in my own prayer life, that uh, even though you may own your home, some of you rent, but some of you, most of you own your home, you don't really own your home. Actually, the birds probably own it that sit on the roof of that. We've talked about that. But you're just passing through. You have the uh, deed of the home, maybe, and you have the privilege of paying school taxes. Isn't that fun? And, uh, and all the rest, but you're just passing through. We're really tenants. I'm a tenant. I talked to the Lord about that with uh, problems I have in the house. Lord, this is your house. Fix that roof. I can't fix it. It's leaking. And what about this and that? It's your house. I'm just a tenant. If you could hear my prayers, you'd laugh. But actually, that's the way I pray about some of those things that frustrate me in, in our home. Well, it's not our home. This world is not. Heaven is our home to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't you love Philippians chapter 1 where Paul talks about heaven, which is, and he uses Three comparative words. Now, you would never do that in English. I mean, it's a super, super superior. And probably the best way to translate it, this idea of heaven, is it's much better by far. That's not a bad way as he piles these, these uh, comparisons of how much better home is, that is heaven, than here. Much better by far. Wow. That helps us. And in fact, if you ask Paul there in that Philippians 1, he said, I'd rather just depart and be with the Lord. Now it's better I'm here with you that I can help you along, you young Christians at Philippi, but it's certainly better for me to depart and to be with the Lord in that place that is much better by far. Oh, the splendor of heaven. Wow. Well, the Bible is the only source of information about heaven. It's not the Koran. It's uh, not anything else. You won't find the books of the Library of Congress uh, filled with a section on heaven. It's the scriptures that tell us about heaven. And we're not told an awful lot. The details are limited. Oh, we would want to know a whole lot more. But then I'm not so sure. Because life on earth can be very hard. 
uh, we'll talk about uh, the tears and the weeping and the brokenness. And if, uh, if we had even more on heaven, we might just decide to fly without wings, you know, and end it. I'm out of here. You know, jump under a bus or something. And, uh, but we get enough, and don't do that. We need you. We love you. We'll miss you. We'll see you, but don't do that. I know some have. That's a very sad thing. But it's limited, the information, but it's sufficient, isn't it, to tell us. And I love that phrase. I hope I don't overdo it. You hear it elsewhere, that the best is really yet to come. It really is yet to come. Here is our permanent home that is in heaven forever and ever, that prepared place from John 4. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare, I'll come and receive you unto myself. Wow, that's heaven. And won't it be great when we're finally home? Guess what? No more moving. How many of you enjoy moving? Isn't that fun? That is so much fun. That's the only time you find out who your real friends are, right? I got eeny, meeny, miny, and mo, and that's it, that show up in all the whole world to help me move. Now, how about that when you're first, when you're younger, some of you are younger and you're in that stage. I think in our first years of marriage, Faithy, how many times did we move up and down? And it was always third floor apartments. I don't know how why somewhere it's written that way. And uh, wow, no more moving. Won't need real estate. There it is permanent, satisfied, forever, and what a landlord. You say, oh man, the landlord, I, what a landlord. Well, look at Revelation chapter 21. If you've not turned there, there are five features of our beautiful home in heaven. I want to share with you this limited information, yet it's sufficient, and it reminds us of the glory yet to be seen by you and me. If you know Christ the Lord as your Savior in this place called heaven, and while we do this, incidentally, uh, we should not say when loved ones die, he's gone or she's gone. Sometimes we use that. We know what we mean by that. But rather than say he's gone, we should say she's home. She's home. Now, that's biblically accurate, actually. Well, there are five features. For heaven will not be boring. I thought I'd better put this byline in here because some of you have this idea that uh, heaven's going to be boring. We have this beautiful place, and I guess we're going to strum harps all day long, and oh, won't I get calluses? And, you know, like we sing that, don't we? Oh, like, there's some crazy old hymns that give me a harp and a song and all that. And some of you are like, am I going to fish? And then what am I going to do after that? And boy, my golf game's going to get better, right, Rhonda? You know, <laughs> golf game's going to be so good because that's all I'm going to do is chase that ball around, and, and maybe it's anti-gravity. When I hit that, that thing will just go forever, like on the moon. Well, that's one-sixth of gravity, isn't there? Something, is it one-sixth? Something like that. Wow, what would, is it going to be boring? People get this idea, boring. I got news for you. It will not be boring. It will be ever fascinating. And you're going to have a lot to do, believe me, a lot a lot. It will be infinitely fascinating, just as God in His person is infinitely, infinitely fascinating. There'll be no bottom to the depth of coming to grips with the wonder of God and all that He has for us. They're related. Well, first feature, the location of heaven. This may surprise you. This may surprise you. 
Look at verses 1 and 2. And John writes, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had, had passed away. and There was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Let's stop right there at that point. The location of heaven. The glorious city that Jesus has, has gone to prepare and is prepared and now is in heaven is going to descend down upon the recreated heavens and earth. When he, we read in, in chapter 21, verse 2, that it's the new heaven, or verse 1, that it's the new heaven and new earth, it doesn't mean new in succession. In the Greek, it's used two way, at least two ways. Like there's a line, we're going to have a line, two lines going through the, uh, for dinner here this afternoon for our luncheon. And one of you will be behind the next and the next and the next and the next in the line. That's the word neos. That's not the word used here. It's not like the next wholly altogether different than the one in front, like it's a, something that wasn't. It isn't that. It's the word kainos. It means it's, it's going to be the old earth, but it's going to be restored. It's going to be refurbished. It's going to be regenerated. Some of you like to do that. You buy old homes and, and uh, you fix them up. Uh, there's that TV program. What's the name of that? This old house, is it? Or they, anyway, it's one of the, where they, they would fix up the homes. They find the worst one with all the cat dumpings and everything else. And that's the one I want. That one's a totally, you know, just awful and they gut the thing, and they redo it, and then they, they, they flip it over and, 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 still, and sell it for money, right? It's the same dwelling, completely renovated. And that's the idea uh, uh, the, of the new heavens and new earth. So it's not something like, well, God's got a new earth somewhere else in the, in the galaxy. No, it's this earth, and it's going to be totally rent, rejuvenated, restored, in kind, it's going to be new, brand new. It's the reversal of the curse and all that the curse did, the groaning and the uttering from Romans 8, that the, even the creation groans and waits for the final ending of the curse that was put on the earth in, in Genesis chapter 3. The rearrangement, restoration of the earth. <clears throat> and this takes place following the millennial reign on earth, there's the final judgment, and then essentially we're talking about the eternal state forever and ever. And so, A, that the city of the living God, the great, new, holy, heavenly Jerusalem, will be removed from hovering in the heavens and will come down, according to verse 1, onto the earth. Now, how all that will work, I don't know. I, we just get a glimpse. I'd like to know a whole lot more. Don't know how that works with gravity on, a, on the globe and all the rest. And we'll talk about the size, but God said it, so it's absolutely true. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's absolutely certain. It will come down to the planet Earth. Look at verse 10. 
where he talks even more about it. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And it comes and it lands, as it were, even on the restored earth. Now, you should know this is the uh, city that the Old Testament saints look forward to. You remember in the uh, faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, where uh, it is said of Abraham in Hebrews 11, for he, Abraham, was looking forward to the city whose foundation and whose architect and builder is God himself. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he he has prepared a city for them. And so, Hebrews 11 reminds us that this is the very thing that Abraham was longing and looking for as he made his sojourn in the, in the promised land many, many years ago. Look at B. The heavens and the earth will be renovated and purified by fire. And Second Peter is the clearest passage, you should know this, that deals with this. Remember the first uh, earth was destroyed by a worldwide deluge. The flood, Noah's flood, the world is completely changed from what it once was. And just say that before we cite our Peter passage. Uh, and be thankful for it. Actually, uh, it's the source of, uh, of carbon fuels. All the, all the anthracite coal that's up in the coal regions of uh, Pennsylvania, it's carbon fuel. Carbon means that it once lived. These, this was the vegetation that once flowered the entire globe in the days prior to the flood and was buried by this worldwide flood that took place in the days of Noah. And we're able to mine it, and we get it out, extract it, and that's the coal. Now, it's amazing. Those that are given to a uniformitarian view of processes that reject the catastrophism of the Bible, in other words, God intervened and brought about that flood in judgment. That was a catastrophe, producing coal. Those that say, no, we just kind of measure backward in the current uh, conditions, and we just will project that back forever to, to try and determine the age of all things. It's a rejection of the Word of God. Now they're starting to discover that uh, you can actually make a diamond very, very quickly. It's not millions and gazillions and billions of nonsense. Those are statements of utter rebellion, incidentally, to make a diamond. In fact, gross as it may sound, did you see it in the paper this week? This is gross. I read it and I said, I shouldn't say it. No, I'm going to say it. Some of you really love your pets and your moms and dads and brothers. They now have this deal where you can take their ashes down and they'll put them under great pressure and make like a diamond for you. Now, is that strange? There's Dad on my ring, or there's, you know, Bow Wow or something. <laughs> strange. Who would do something like that? If you do it, don't tell me. I don't want to know, <laughs> okay? But all that to say, they, they've been able to take carbon under pressure and, and, and make it into sort of like a gemstone. All of the fossil fuels come from all the oil. That was animal life, marine life that was buried, put under pressure, 
And now we're able to pump that up. They're, they're carbon fuels. And that ought to signal to you, say, well, I flunk chemistry. And you don't need to pass it. Right? It's carbon. It once lived. Where did it come from? It came from the pre-Noah days. God destroyed the world with water. And he put the sign of the rainbow in the sky that he would never do that again. But he said the, the next time he destroys the world and changes it utterly, it would be by what? By, by fire. And we get that right from Peter's passage here. And by the same word, the present heavens that are now and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Here it is. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements which will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, a home of righteousness. Thank you, Jen. We appreciate that. And, and Peter writes of that. And that's where it teaches that clearly, that uh, the old earth is going to be better than ever when all the effects of the sin and curse and death are completely obliterated in the wonder of it. It'll be Edenic uh, conditions again, like Eden. Once again, and the beautiful city will descend in this place called heaven. Well, this makes for a new order of creation. All the effects of the curse are gone. And can I say it? We will not miss any of the effects when they're gone. We will not long for any of that. If you eat of that dying, you will die indeed. And all that went with that, we will say good riddance forever. And I can't wait for that. Gone forever. Gone, gone, gone. And the seat, and here it is, of God's government for the universe will be on earth in the city, the city of God, and is dwelling among us. So and essentially, when we die, if Christ doesn't come back, if you know him, we go instantly to heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. The judgment seat of Christ, where we stand before the Lord and give an account. Seven years, and then we return at the end of that. And it's nearly uh, Edenic conditions for a thousand years. And after that period of time, the final rebellion is put down. All the dead who have ever lived, who are unregenerate, will be raised. The oceans will give forth. The dead will come. And they will stand before the great white throne judgment and be cast into the lake of fire. And when that's all over, according to the Scriptures, and you can read all of that in the end of Revelation chapter 20. At that point, it's the creation, 21, where we are today. The new heavens and the new earth. It's the eternal state, some call it. That's what we're talking about. And God's government for the universe will be on the earth forever. 
Well, that's the location. What about the size of the city? It's enormous. You ain't seen nothing yet. Some of you said, well, I've seen New York City. I've been to Hong Kong. Some of you, anybody been to Hong Kong here? Well, look at that. Wow. That we do. Uh, anyway, we won't go any further. But you say, well, we've seen some great cities. You, you with apologies to my grammar team, you ain't seen nothing yet. This city, is, uh, this city that the Lord has prepared is enormous. A, the city is laid out like a square, or, or rather a cube. And it's uh, 1,500 miles square. Look at 21, verse 16. John tells us, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each gate was made of a single pearl. And uh, that's not the verse, is it? Hmm. Where's it? 15? Did I drop? Did it? Is it six? Did I drop down? Okay, let me look here. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, I read the wrong verse. Did I do that? 2160. And the city was laid out like a square. There it is. Thank you. As long as it was wide and it measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia. In length, as wide and high as long, it's a cube, and it's 12,000 stadia. In our language, in our day, would be approximately 1,500 miles. Now, that's way up there. That's high. You know, most of these airplanes that fly transatlantic flight, they get up there ah, 38,000, 40,000 feet. What is that? That's seven miles, maybe, eight, 1,500. It's enormous. The enormity of the city ought to stagger us. And look at this. If each story of the city is 20 feet, that's kind of generous. I don't think skyscrapers, each story is 20 feet. But if so, just assume that 396,000 stories you get on the elevator, you're going to be on that one all day just to get somewhere, right? <laughs> That's amazing. Now, we'll have bodies like the Lord, so we'll be able to, I don't know if it's the Star trek thing, you know, we'll just be able to Scotty beam me up type thing. But the Lord was able to do that, right? He came into the room. When we see him, we'll be like him. His body was glorified. How that all works, space and time and travel. Man, I can't wait for that. So the Lord has that worked out. Each of these will be enormous, the stories, and each story itself will have the landmass of one-half the size of the continental United States. Now that's, I'm talking, we're talking a huge condo building here, condos with rivers and parks and streets, and I don't think it's all like some massive you know, inner-city apartment building some of you may have lived in days gone by going to have, this is going to be enormous. It's, it's incredible, the size of the city. Uh, Henry Morris uh, estimates that, uh, and he makes some assumptions, but I think this is pretty good, that, uh, that there are 100 billion human beings uh, in, uh, in, uh, in human history. In fact, let, let me read it. I have the excerpt right from his writings in the Biblical Cosmology and Modern Science, on page 72 and following, uh, he talks about this city and the size of it and the location. Although there is no way, he writes, to know precisely how many people will be there, one can make at least an order of magnitude 
estimate, it can be calculated that the total number of people who have lived between Adam's time and our time is about 40 billion. Then assuming that a similar number, 40 billion, will be born during the millennium, remember where those that that have not died, live right into it, the redeemed into the thousand-year reign and have children, and children that live very long periods of time, and then allowing another 20 billion for those who died before or soon after birth. Maybe they were aborted, maybe they were stillborn. And he says, assume another 20 billion. That's how he comes up with 100 billion men and women and children uh, members of the human race, past, present, and future. Then he goes on, assume also that 20%, one in five of these will be saved, including those who die in infancy. This is obviously only a guess, he writes, but the Lord Jesus did make it plain that the large majority of men and women, boys and girls, will never be saved. Matthew seven thirteen and 14, wide and broad, and many are on the path that leads to destruction. And few, remember that, Matthew 7? If this figure is used, then the New Jerusalem will, will, would have to accommodate, in his estimation, 20 billion residents. Also assume that 25% of the city is used for mansions, uh, used for mansions of those inhabitants, and the rest is allocated to streets and parks and public buildings, then he goes on to say that the average size uh, space assigned to each person, some will have more, some will have less, but will be one-third of a mile in each direction. Wow, obviously, he concludes, there's adequate room in the holy city for all who will be there. Wow, man, a third of a mile in each direction. Wow, ladies, that'll give you a lot of a lot of room to try and decorate. That'll be me. Hopefully it'll all be done, right? Then if I have to buy another end table, right? <laughs> well, what, Jim? Oh, be closets. <laughs> Didn't even think of that. Yeah. yeah. Man, we have a little shoe closet, but uh, anyway. We won't get into that one. Happy wife, happy life. We know how that works. So... <laughs> Right, this is heaven. I'm glad you're happy. We're talking about heaven. That's, uh, that's great. I love it. Uh, let's see. Well, uh, it, it's not for everybody, isn't it? I, I just want to be serious for a moment. You know, if you don't know Christ, this is not your home. It can be, though. You know what? It can be. Uh, you need to personally, it's not your mama, your dad, your brother, your sister. It's not the church, not being a member of a church. Say, well, I take communion. It's not that. These are, these are good things in their place. But you've got to be born again. You've got to, in a prayer of faith, is probably the most common way of saying, just confess the fact that you're a sinner, lost. You deserve hell, like I do, like every one of us, like every human being. And you must say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying to make the payment for my sin. Look, you're here. God has brought you here. You're under the hearing of the Word of God. We're talking about home this can be your home. It can. I mean, there's only heaven and there's only the lake of fire. That's it. And I urge you, if you need, have any questions on that or have any needs spiritually, I would love to talk with you, to pray with you, as well as other, other folks in this church. Just see, don't let the day pass 
talking about this incredible place. I don't want to just hold it up like a piece of unbelievable candy and you and it's not for you. It can be for you. Oh, please. Consider your need of the Savior. You must be saved. We'll get to the third feature. Look at the materials. Absolutely beautiful. It's beyond description. In 2111, uh, John writes, And it's shown, the city, it's shown with the glory of God, the brilliance of God, the radiance was like that. And he begins to try and describe it, looking at, as if a brilliant light were shining through precious jewelry and stone and just the city is just gloriously brilliant. And uh, we, we have not seen anything yet. Nothing. Listen, our God is a God of beauty. Think about it. God has made you and I with an appreciation for beauty. The aesthetic. Some of you have studied it. and You're artistic more than the rest of us. And uh, God has given you. He's built that into you. And we are able to see the hues of uh, the frequency of the of the uh, the spectrum of color, and it could have all been black and white, you know, right? It could have been that. And I, I, let me give you a tip: we only see with our bodies now certain frequencies. There are colors that you can't even begin to imagine how beautiful. And when you see it with, with your body, that will be glorified. It will be utterly dazzling to you and to me. The splendor and the beauty of the glory of our God who is beautiful. And God is beautiful. I always remember that in the Indiana Jones with uh, In Search of the Ark. Remember that? And there, and they opened it. Remember that? You know, and then and the way Spielberg did that and, and their bodies disintegrated. Why? Because it was you can't look on God and die. Or if you look on God or, 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 or any of that, you're done. You're, you're toast. And, he, and then they went to dust. Remember that? Well, on this day we're going to have glorified bodies. And the glory of Christ the Lord is going to radiate the city. And we will look on his face whom died for us, the Lamb of God, the beauty of it. And God will give us the ability to appreciate the splendor of it all. We're not, we can't see it yet. We're so limited. We see through a glass darkly now. But then, I'm telling you, it would be glorious. Listen, uh, you have an appreciation built in. It's part of the Imago Dei, the image of God in you, that you can appreciate culture and music and art and colors and symmetry and balance and architecture and a landscaping. And, and God gave you that in me. He didn't give it to the rest of his creation. Faith and I often ooh and ah when we see the moon. We saw the moon the other night. It was so beautiful. Did you see that? The full moon and the clear, the clear atmosphere. And or I, so a lot of times I'll watch the sun come up and it's so beautiful. Your dog never looked at that and went, wow. He didn't. You go for a walk with him and and you love your dog and he, and you see the beauty of the fall foliage coming. He is not going to stop and ponder that. I know you love your animals, and, and God gave them to us as friends, and, we, and they're really companions, and they're, but they're not human beings. They don't have that appreciation. They don't think about tomorrow. They're not wondering, gee, I wonder if I'm going to get fed tomorrow, and what's Christmas going to give me by way of a gift? You know, they never think those thoughts. They don't have that capacity. They're not made in God's name, but you are, 
and our God is beautiful, and heaven will be more than beautiful. And incidentally, some of you are going to ask, yes, I believe there will be animals in heaven. There will be. They are part of the original creation, remember? In Eden, before the fall. And God thought enough of them that uh, he saved them in an ark. Okay? So, uh, and we know the lion and the lamb in, in Isaiah uh, f- uh, 11, and, and a child will lead them. So we get hints and shadows and all of that, and I think it's enough to build the theology that, uh, that, that there will be animals in, in heaven and, and so on. So I know that may be your big question to me while we're eating lunch, but uh, yeah, I really think so. The beauty of all that. Well, John Bunyan, we studied a few years ago the Pilgrim's Progress, where the Christian and hopeful come near to the city, the city we're talking about, and they see the city of God and the beauty of it, and they fall over sick with utter happiness and bliss. They're so overwhelmed by the beauty and its brilliance that... Uh, 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 that uh, they exclaim, if you see him whom my soul loves, tell him that I am sick with happiness at seeing the sight of heaven. Listen, if you could go to heaven for a moment, as much as you would miss your family, you wouldn't want to come back for a moment. You wouldn't. Even this, this, uh, this period before it, the heavenly city comes down to earth, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You would wait for us. And uh, that's the picture, actually, of Hebrews 11. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I do believe people are allowed to see. We know some things get through to heaven now of what's going on earth. One of the tender things that when Faithy's mom had leukemia and was dying here a few years ago, and we loved her and supported her to the Lord took her, and we had many conversations about uh, who, when she gets to heaven, to, to say hello to and update them and tell them about that. It's kind of like getting the message uh, uh, home by the messenger that's soon to go and the joy of that. Listen, that's biblical reality. Listen, the longer I live, the spiritual is the reality. The physical is not. It's the shadow. C.S. Lewis was right. We live in the shadow lands. Don't be so hunkered down and anchored down here. I mean, it's going like this. I mean it. Faith and I were talking the other day or sometime. Married 30-some years ago, I'm waiting for her to correct me that it's only like 12, you know. Man, it seems like it. It's just zipping right by. And now that I've exceeded the number of days that my father lived on earth, that's an amazing hedge. It's going, going, almost gone. Don't be so anchored down here. Listen, say, well, I want to get my piece of the rock, right? Well, it's good to plan ahead, prepare, but even this last week with all that went on, I, I was hoping it was a reminder to most Americans with banking and international banking that I read one thing, that they were not even lending money between the whole thing. And if we can trust that the whole thing almost came tumbling down, if you can imagine that, if it's true, wow, if we're only living for that, and it's going like this, we're living for the wrong things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you, Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. Wow. Look at four, the occupants of the city. 
we discover that it's God Himself, His dwelling is with man, the angels, God's sweet messengers, and the redeemed of all ages will be there. Of all ages, there is the unity of God's children. We see that in the city. As you read that, you read about the gates, and on the gates were written the twelve sons of Israel, and on the foundation stones of the city were written the names of the twelve apostles, and he's showing that uh, it is the unity of the people of God from Adam forward into the last one that is saved. Well, the city will provide a permanent home for those saved from Adam forward. And this is our new family. This is our new family. You will have an extended family with greater intimacy than we have ever known on earth. It's more wonderful. Someone described it. I heard an old pastor describe, well, what will heaven be like? You know, if we're married, will we live with our wife? Won't that seem odd if we don't? One thing, we won't have children because we won't need to because we'll, heaven uh, will live forever. So there won't be a need to repopulate. Uh, so we'll be like the angels in that regard. But uh, it will be perfect. And you won't be longing for your loved one. And God has that all worked out. And even the very best of marriages, the old pastor said, the sweetest, tender marriage uh, of many, many years and blending lives together, and the sweetness of that uh, is kind of a launch pad in thinking about the relationship that we will have with our former loved ones and that sweetest of intimacy that we have with even maybe, in my case with Faithy, will be even that much more with all that will be there. It will be that sweetness and that closeness and that loving tenderheartedness among all of the people of God. Won't that be great? Our God is a God of love. Jonathan Edwards uh, wrote, had a sermon uh, on, uh, on heaven. It's in his book on the, on the fruits of charity. And uh, it's glorious. He said, it will be uh, a place uh, of complete and utter love like we have never seen. Remember in 1 Corinthians 13, he bases that on that, the things that will pass away, but these will abide in agape. The love will abide forever. And Jonathan Edwards takes that to mean that forever and ever this place will be of sublime love like you and I will have never seen or have tasted. We get a little sip of it, what might be the very best of things here on earth, but just a sip. And we'll have this new family. And Jesus alludes to this one day when he was teaching, and Mary and his brothers approach, and someone gets word with the thronging crowds around, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. And in Mark 3, we discover in verse 33, Jesus asked the question, who are my brothers and sisters? doesn't mean that he was uh, renouncing them. And uh, do we have that for the Mark 3 account? And he, he teaches us uh, who actually are, who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those that were seated around him in a circle and said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And in this, what, what is he, changing the names of these terms? No, what he's teaching us is that uh, ultimately and finally and forever in heaven, 
we will be one sweet, wonderful family. Now, what a wonderful thing it is to have our physical family also redeemed to be a part of our spiritual family forever in heaven. And that's a, a, a great and a wonderful thing. Well, what will, we, what will we be doing in heaven? We talk about the occupants of the city under B. Well, everyone in heaven is happy, and they're fulfilled. <laughs> Quite a bit unlike today, wouldn't you say? One man writes, they're estimated, it's estimated there are 40,000 different occupations in the United States today. 40,000, if you can imagine that. Well, so few, it seems, are so completely satisfied with their work responsibility. You know, like I like this and this and maybe 80% of my job. That's not bad, you know. Every, every part of every job is, oh, man, i got to take the garbage out, so to speak, unless you really enjoy that. Uh, I don't care for that. But you want to find a job where you like more than you dislike, right? But in heaven, you'll be ultimately and finally satisfied. It's amazing how wonderful that will be. Uh, what will we be doing? Look, first of all, we'll be worshiping God. That doesn't mean that church is going to go on forever. So that, well, that is going to be a long service. Well, we're going to worship the Lord, and, uh, and we'll do that. Praise, someone writes, is the language of heaven. So you, do you ever study a foreign language? Praise is the language of heaven. Can I give you a tip? Start now. Praise the Lord. Give Him thanks at every turn. So few people do. Begin to practice now. You're going to be doing it if you're saved for a long time. Look at two. We will serve God in whatever capacity He assigns us. He's given us each unique responsibilities and gifts and abilities and things to do. Even Jesus said of his father on one occasion, even today my father works. So we're not going to go down to the Susquehanna and fish for small bass fish forever and ever. You know, finally get the big one. You know, no, there's going to be a lot to do there. And your assignment's going to be based on your faithfulness here and now. Remember the, the, uh, in Matthew 13, the parable of the, of the talents? And uh, the reward is given to those who are faithful. So we all have gift, different gifts and abilities. And, and faithfulness is the key that we will be judged on on using the gifts and abilities that God has given us. And that will be determined whether we'll be given responsibility over cities and others and all that that means, I'm sure I don't know. But the, it will be based on faithfulness. Now, at the end of the day, we're utterly unfaithful. It's God that makes us faithful. But strive to be faithful in all that you do, and the reward will come in another day. And third, finally, uh, Randy Elkhorn writes in this book on heaven, in heaven we will eat and drink. Aren't you glad of that? We'll work, we'll worship, we'll learn. You say, I'm going to go to school? Yeah, but you're going to have your full brain in gear. Won't that be great? Not just 10%. Oh my, I need more of it. Give me, give me 12% for this exam. I'm in deep trouble. No, we'll learn, and won't that, that be great? We'll travel, we are, and experience many things we do now. Wow. And you will know your earthly family in heaven, and it will be glorious. That's the occupants, and that's the activity of the redeemed through all the ages. Well, finally... 
uh, number five and last, the new order of reality. All things new. Wow. Americans love new things. So that ought to really uh, ring our bell here, right? Look at fortunately, heaven will not have everything. Note what will be missing, and we will never miss them. A, verse 1, 21, verse 1, no more C. Now, I don't know what this means. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Some of the, and, the, and I discovered uh, half my books are right and half are wrong. I don't know which ones. Uh, in the Old Testament, the sea is oftentimes talked about as the wicked in the nations. Like, you know, imagine a storm at sea and it's beaten into the shoreline. We saw that last week down in Galveston, right? It's a picture of the raging of men against men and fighting and conflict and all of that. And so some say, well, Revelation 21.1 refers to the nations. No more war, no more fighting, no more any of that. The other half say, well, no, really, there's going to be a geological change. There won't be any, any sea. Herman Hoyt writes of that. Right now, two-thirds or the three-quarters of the earth is covered with water. And it's kind of sad when I think about it. I love the ocean. Don't we love going down to the beach and walking? And we're not going to be like, oh, Lord, where's the sea? I miss it. I wanted to go to the Jersey Shore. How many of you still go to the Jersey Shore? I saw the other week they had hypodermic needles floating up again. I don't know where they're coming from. That's horrible. What? A dentist did. They caught him. Good. Wow. As, uh, that which is nibbling on your foot might not be a, a fish, right, Susan? <laughs> well, thank you for that. Well, anyway, I'm not sure what it is. So we'll take it. But look what else. I know what the rest of these are. B, verse 4 tells us no more death. Death is a thief. It robs us. It robs us of loved ones. It robs us of life uh, as we speak of it. Death, however, does not enter heaven. Goodbye, good riddance. We'll never miss it. In that day you will die indeed, and this is the day it's gone forever and ever. Yippee, I can't wait. No more funeral homes, no more obituaries. C, no more sorrow. Imagine that. The text says in verse 4, no sorrow, no more. You know, our newspapers are filled with it. Just about every page. And I could, I love reading newspapers. I know they say the younger generations don't read them. They go on the internet. And I look there too, and look at the headlines. Well, I love the newspaper. Almost every page. Filled with sorrow and heartbreak and tears. No more. The Jerusalem Post is going to be filled with all sorts of splendor and joy and wonder. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. No more sorrow. Wow. Heaven is uninterrupted joy. D, no more crying. One man writes, buckets of tears are shed every minute in this hurting world. We live in a crying world. I, I say to you, do you hear it? Do you hear the tears? Do you hear the, the weeping and the crying? You don't have to go far. I see it. I hear it. In this hurting world, we weep over the death of a child, or the death of a parent, uh, 
we weep over broken homes and broken lives and broken dreams, don't we? We do. It's a crying world we live in. In heaven, he who wiped away our sins now wipes away our tears. You know, they say that's one of the most tender things that a human being can do to another one. When, uh, uh, I, I, let's say, a woman is crying, when Faithy is crying, for, for me to approach her and to wipe the tear away. It's one of the most tenderest things. You know, first that you would allow someone to come into your space like that. Most of us are like, you know, you know space, please. We're very aware of that culturally. But to step close and to wipe the tear away, and he who wiped our tears, our sins away, will wipe our tears away. Look at E, no more pain. Boy, I'm for that. I'm not big on pain, are you? I'm not. I had a, I had a dentist. Susan, talking about dentist. I had a dentist. Taylor, this is good for you. I, <laughs> Taylor's in her second year in dentistry school. Uh, I had a dentist that never used Novocaine on the kids. I was scared to death of my dentist. In fact, don't tell my parents. They used to call on Saturday morning right during the Three Stooges, and uh, my, my mom and dad would be sleeping and say, you haven't come into the dentist for a long time. You need to make an appointment. Okay, I'll tell my folks. Boom. <laughs> I didn't tell them forever, you know. And by the time we got in there, it was only worse. Too many Hershey bars, somebody said. And Kit Kat and all that stuff, right? And the dentist would say, I remember his name, Dr. Hanky. I don't know how I remember that. Terrified. I had nightmares. Hold on to the ha- arms, he said. I'll be done in a minute. Oh, <laughs> I'm not big on pain. Are you? No more pain. No more pain. Today's hospitals have patients in great pain, dying of cancer and other terrible diseases. I've ministered the, the, the tenderly in hospital to many, many. I think the hardest are the children. Uh, I, I don't know how you can have a dry eye. I remember one boy in Wabash County Hospital, leukemia. I went in there. He was in such pain. He was only 14, no hair. And uh, I held him, prayed with him, no pain. Oh, I can't wait for that. No more pain. All of pain has resulted in Genesis 3. It's finally banished forever. I can't wait. Uh, F, no temple, no church. How about that? They won't be needed. They won't be, those, are, uh, those are places where we met while we were away from the Lord, but then we'll worship God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ directly. Won't that be great? Ha! I can't wait for that. Wow. Listen, if you could from heaven, you would shout, you would shout, to all Christians, to serve the Lord today with all your heart. You would. What's that voice? Oh, it's Bill. He's in heaven. He sees the glory of it all and the wonder of it all and what's missing. And what's he saying? Serve Christ with all your heart today. That's what he would say. We're soon going to be over. And then we have eternity. The last thing, Jade, no more sun, no more moon. 
in verses 20, uh, chapter 21, 23, and 22, 5. The heavenly bodies, and that's what they are, were created by God to give light to the earth, and they've outlived their purpose. The Lord Jesus is the lamp, the text tells us. Wow, light will emanate from him. Let me just close before we look at the lessons. Uh, Randy Elkhorn wrote the little book on heaven. We made those available some time ago and gave out a lot of them. Maybe you read that. Let me just read his words on what won't be in heaven. No death, no suffering, no funeral homes, no abortion clinics or psychiatric wards, no rape, no missing children or drug rehabilitation centers, no bigotry, no muggings, no killings, no worry or depression or economic downturns, no war, no unemployment, no anguish over failure or miscommunication, no con men, no locks, wow, no death, no mourning, no pain, no boredom, no arthritis, amen, no handicaps, no cancer, no taxes, no bills. I don't know what's going to be in your mailbox. That fills mine. <laughs> no computer crashes, no weeds, no bombs, no drunkenness, no traffic jams or accidents, no septic tank backups, no mental illness, no, wanted, no unwanted emails, close friendships but no clicks, laughter but no put-downs, intimacy but no temptation to immorality, no hidden agendas, no backroom deals, no betrayals. Imagine mealtimes full of stories, laughter and joy, without fear of insensitivity, inappropriate behavior, anger, gossip, lust, jealousy, hurt feelings, or anything that eclipses joy. That will be heaven. There won't be churches or temple in the new universe, not because they're bad, but because they won't be necessary. We won't need to be drawn into God's presence. We'll live there constantly, consciously. We'll thank God profoundly and worship and praise Him together, whether we're working in a garden or singing or riding bikes or drinking coffee. No reason to think that won't be uh, in heaven too, he writes. Jesus said, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you? Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. No one will go hungry. All will be satisfied. No one will weep. Everyone will laugh. This is the promise of Jesus. Randy Alcorn says, count on it. Count on it. Well, lessons for our life quickly. Number one. Number one. Today, you're invited to know Christ the Lord as your Savior. I urge you to do that. And if you do, heaven will be your home. It will be your home. You must be born again. You must be saved from the penalty of your sin. It's not your good works. Your good works alone will take you to hell. Hell will be filled with people that have done a lot of good things but were never saved. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. Number two. Dear Christian, remember, you are not home yet. Don't settle in so much. My father used to say, and I didn't really listen to him as much as I should have about this, he said, if I give you one piece of advice, travel light. Travel light. I did think of that early on when it kept moving. 
and the U-Hauls were getting bigger and bigger, right? Well, let's not settle in so much, okay? Number three, heaven is more beautiful than anything you have ever seen. And I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to hear the music of it, the splendor, the joy, and the wonder of it, the splendor of heaven. Number four, know that what you do now for the Savior will determine your place and position in heaven. So be faithful. It has a direct bearing upon it, so be faithful. Number five and last, daily urge those who who you know to come with you. You can do that, you know. I'm going home. Where are you going? Going to heaven. Don't need a AAA trip tech. Don't need even directions. But you share the gospel. It's the treasure. God will use that to save some. And won't that be joyful for you to meet different ones in heaven that God used you to share the gospel that will be in heaven because of your faithfulness? Well, that's the splendor of heaven. 